You're listening to the Homegrown Faith Podcast. I'm Joe Clark, and I'm chatting with my fellow pastor and friend, Richard Sweatman, about God, the Bible, and life lived growing our faith in Jesus. This podcast is coming to you from Hunter Bible Church in Newcastle. Joe Clark, good afternoon to you today. How are you doing? Mm, I'm well, brother. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, that's good. What's been happening? I thought I'd share a story from my holidays a couple of weeks back uh, and a bit of a question as well. So we went uh, to the Dorigo National Park, and uh, which is beautiful. It's up sort of between Bellingen and Dorigo, rainforests, waterfalls, Mm. uh, beautiful stuff. And we enjoy the walk. We compel the boys to go on on the 5 to 6K walk (laughs) um, under protest, but they go. (laughs) It's fine. And we just walk along. They talk and everything. But the thing that was really interesting about this, uh, bushwalk was that um, uh, we, I just saw something I'd never seen before. We were walking along and I could hear uh, in, the, in the forest birds and they just, I could start to hear uh, a little engine, a little, uh, it sounded like a two-stroke engine. I thought, oh, yeah. oh, well, well, that's, well that's, that's a bit of a funny sound. What's going on? Is there some work going on here? Is a chainsaw or something? And then as I got closer, I thought, I know what this sounds like. I think this is a leaf blower. But why would there be a leaf blower in the national park? And I thought about that for about three minutes as we walked and the sound got louder and louder. And then we were going around the corner and sure enough, there was a national park worker there <laughs> with a leaf blower <laughs> blowing leaves off the path. And he sort of shut it down and stepped aside and gave us a little nod as we walked past. And this was about, uh, you know, three kilometres into the walk. And... Uh, once I'd done the walk, I'd realized, oh, wow, yeah, I can see there's kind of more leaves where I'm going now because he hasn't done this section. <laughs> and I thought, um, why is a National Parks Guide doing a leaf-blowing job on the path? <laughs> That's a very long bit of path. I like, I've done leaf-blowing in my house, and I've got about 20 metres of path, and that's quite an effort. And here's this guy doing five kilometres of path. Are you at all familiar with, or have you, you know, have you ever heard of uh, leaf blowing through national parks before? No, I never have. And I'm wondering, were you disillusioned by the <laughs> interference with nature? Or were you more just like, that is a big job? <laughs> yeah, that was my main thought, that is a big job. Uh, yeah. <laughs> secondly, a somewhat futile job because there's yeah. a, lot of, a lot of leaves fall on these paths. And oh, gosh. Uh, I had to leave the park, not really with an answer. I would have liked to stop him and just have a conversation, but, you know, he was... You know, he was busy at his job. And, busy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, somebody else said, I, eventually somebody said to me, oh, maybe it's a sort of slipping hazard or something that the leaves get slippery. So maybe there's something in that, like the underneath surface was a bit of a bitumen surface because of trying to preserve the forest and stuff. So mm, there, there, there remains a series, a theory. I don't know any national park workers at the moment, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Uh, leaf blowing in the national park. It is a thing. <laughs> It's a thing. It, it, it could be a true and false question, but it's it, true. It's a thing. Fascinating. Fascinating. Um, oh, I've got yeah. so many questions now too. Well, yes. For another time. have to remain unanswered. <laughs> How about you, Joe? What's been going on? <clears throat> well, I got given a board game of Monopoly with what I consider to be an incredibly rare edition. Oh, yeah. And I thought I'd tell you about it. So my, sure. my cousin's son moved out to a small town called Lightning Ridge which is famous for opals. Mm, yeah, I've been there. It's, it's yeah. very famous. Yeah. So my cousin comes for dinner and he gives me this Monopoly deal, Monopoly Lightning Ridge edition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a now, Lightning Light- Ridge edition. <laughs> now, it's 
we very specifically saw the hologram sticker, which certified that it was a genuine edition. But then also I got a certificate of authenticity. Let me read it. I hereby certify that Monopoly, the Lightning Ridge numbered edition, has been fully authorized by Hasbro and recreates elements of the board game. Monopoly, the Lightning Ridge edition, comes with six bespoke gold tokens, exclusively (laughs) designed Monopoly game money and game board that celebrates the home of the Black Opal. And then there's a signature. Wow. I really feel like this is the beginning of a new future for me. (laughs) (laughs) But the funniest one, (laughs) funniest part is, you know how Mayfair is the best property? Yeah. Do you want to know what the best property in Lightning Ridge is? I've got no way of guessing. You've got to tell me. (laughs) The Lightning Ridge Bowling Club. Oh, really? (laughs) That's the prime property. (laughs) It's the best. And the, tr- and the stations are all opal fields and yeah. it's got all these pictures of the local area. Oh, man, yeah. It's, yeah. it's fun. I, I got a really good laugh and I haven't yet played it, but I feel like I must. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow, that's special. It never occurred to me. Um, I wonder, is there a thing where you can just say lobby Hasbro and say, I'd like our little town or our little suburb to be converted well, into a... My cousin tells me that it is very rare for this yeah. to be allowed, that you can't yeah. you can't just be anyone and get your own Monopoly edition. Yeah. So I don't know what Lightning Ridge did, but as a you know two thousand three thousand strong community, they've really hassled. <laughs> they must have really you know made it happen. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, oh, well, good on them. Good on them. I, I'll, I agree. I'll, have to, I'll have to have a look next time around at your place. Yeah. That'll be fascinating. <laughs> oh um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, Bible reading, how's that going? What's, yes. uh, what have you been looking in the Bible lately, Joe? Well, um, we spent, um, anyone at Hunter Bible Church will know, we had um, our HBC Women Conference on Saturday and um, we spent a lot of time in Luke uh, 19 to 21. Yeah. Anyway, I got thinking about it a lot and the conversations at church on Sunday about Luke 19 to 21 was so rich that I thought I'm just going to keep reading. And I found something that I really enjoyed reading about Luke Um 22 actually today i just kept reading yeah so basically i'll just read the first part of luke 22 um, from verse 1 now the festival of unleavened bread called the passover was approaching and the chief priests and teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of jesus for they were afraid of the people um and the thing that i found interesting about that um it's just really like a a marker of time passing really Mm. and the uh, you know rejigging re 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 setting the, the state of affairs between Jesus and the chief priests and teachers of the law. But mm. they're afraid of the people and it made me think, oh, that, that's a theme. I'll try and find it. And it pops up a couple of times in Matthew and a couple of times in Luke. And it just got me thinking, why are they afraid of the people? And part of their fear is that they're afraid that people will truly realise that Jesus is right. Because, uh-huh. yeah, so the 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 statements in Matthew – Herod wanted to kill John because he was afraid of the people because they considered John a prophet. That's in Matthew 14. And then in Matthew yeah. 21, when the chief priests and Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, they knew he was talking about them. They looked for a way to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowd because the people held that he was a prophet. So it's not just that he, they think he's a prophet, but they think he's telling the truth. And because the truth is a rebuke against them, it's a threat. Oh, yeah. yeah. I see what you're saying. You've explained that really well. And... I think that's a verse I've kind of passed over. Uh, Me too. Usually. <laughs> Me too. <And> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted mean, you. You go. Yeah. When, when you explain it like that, I can see that 
they are quite genuine in their concern for their positions. Absolutely, um, yeah. Because it's not just that they're worried that he's a prophet, which is the surface worry. It's that mm, in mm. his prophecy or in John's prophecy, in Jesus' prophecy or John's prophecy, they're rebuking these leaders and they're and they're saying these leaders are wrong, and yeah. people they're afraid that the people will be taught the truth and believe the truth from a God, a, a messenger from God. So yes. and I just appreciated looking into that and feeling a sense of, oh, I've skipped that and now I've <laughs> thought about it a bit more. Good. Yeah. It <laughs> makes more sense about Jesus, you know, attacks on the, the, the Pharisees that they're, they're exploitative or they're burdened people yes. or they're hypocritical. Yeah. Um, and I guess, yeah, when, when you've got thousands of people and you're a minority in leadership, mm. uh, you, if uh, they start to catch on into your scam, um, mm. into your thing, uh, yeah, that could end very badly for you. So, mm. Yeah, and God has sent messenger after messenger, prophet after prophet over the years. And though Israel doesn't have a great track record of listening to their prophets all the time, mm. they do get the idea that God would send heavenly messengers. And so if they're understood to be a heavenly messenger, that would just be such a threat to the, the leaders of the day in the temple. So... Anyway. Yeah. Well, and what I do like, Joe, is the way that you've um, led Bible interest into more Bible. So you've, mm. you've done some talks on um, mm. uh, Luke 21, and rather than just sort of put that back in the drawer, <laughs> you've uh, let that lead you on to further in Luke. And, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, it's been fun. Like I think God's Word is actually super enjoyable when you, you let your brain go and keep going with that enjoyment and you just keep reading because you just you just love mm. it and you've talked about it on Saturday, you talked about it on Sunday, so you may as well just keep keep going. And, yeah, yeah I think, yeah. And to go good. around looking for fear of the people as a theme, mm. yeah, I think that's mm. really a good idea mm. to take a little theme and see what else the Bible says about it. And then mm. Um, mm. it's enriching the meaning. It is, um, yeah, yeah. So it's been fun. What about you, mate? You've been reading a good book. I have been reading a book. Good book, yeah. I'm still, um, I'm still living off some of my holiday reading here. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, this, uh, this was really good. Uh, on my holidays, um, I always try and read some theology that's completely unconnected to work. Ooh, um, nice. I like that. Probably might not be an issue for our listeners who are not in paid ministry, but. Um, um, you know, the temptation in, in paid ministry is to go, okay, holidays, that's it. I'm not going to think about God for two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> you right. Just, you have this very ungodly uh, uh, a temptation. I'm going to just mm. binge watch um, stuff. and Yeah, I'm switching my brain off when it comes read to fun God. stuff. Yeah. yeah. But I've known from experience that's not a good idea. I know, I mean, and theologically I know that's a good idea for mm. endless reasons. But so mm. what I try and do is read some theology uh, that's not about an upcoming talk series or it's not about how mm. to do ministry better or anything like that. It's just about God or Jesus or mm. um, a, a section of the Bible or something. And so uh, this um, week I've been reading the deep, uh, this holidays I read something called The Deep Things of God, How mm. the Trinity Changes Everything uh, by Fred Sanders. And uh, yeah, shout out to Maitland Evangelical Church because <laughs> uh, Roger, the pastor there, gave me this as a thank you for something I did. And um, I had not come across it otherwise. And so it was, yeah. uh, it's been great. And so, of course, yeah, it's just about God. It's about the Trinity. 
Um, now, Fred Sanders, he is a professor of theology at Biola University's Torrey Honors Institute. Uh, that doesn't mean heaps to me. No, um, me either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, popular blogger and speaker. It's published by Crossway, and I, I always, um, yeah, I've got a lot of time for Crossway as a publisher, mm. so it was a good sign. Mm. Um, and uh, But what he's trying to do is talking about the Trinity, he's saying how um, the Trinity is great, and it's actually deep in the evangelical heritage. Mm. Sometimes get this vibe that um, the Trinity, or oh, that kind of belongs to the old creeds, or um, mm. it's something they maybe Roman Catholics do better than evangelicals. Um, uh, but he's saying, no, no, it's really deep in evangelical stuff. Like the things that we love as evangelicals, like the the Bible, really mm. understanding the Bible, mm. um, and um, evangelizing, sharing the gospel, speaking mm. the word of God, mm. um, having a personal relationship with Jesus, um, all, all those things, they're deeply Trinitarian. Um, mm -hmm. The Father, the Son, the Spirit are at work in all those things, which he, he goes into. And uh, so um, what he's saying is is the Trinity is is the gospel. The gospel is the Trinity. It's just so close. Um, and, and it's this, the Trinity is what's inspired many of the great evangelicals of the past. Mm. Um, so he, he, um, he doesn't spend entirely time in the, in the early church fathers, which is sometimes what happens with Trinity books. He mm. um, uh, yeah, um, discusses things like um, people like um, uh, Spurgeon or um, uh, Warfield or Wesley or Whit Whitfield, um, mm. just the impact of the Trinity there. Uh, wow. So... Do you think he's trying to argue against a particular mood in the US Christian movement? Because I haven't seen, I haven't lately heard of someone saying to me, oh, well, you know, we don't do the, tr the Trinity very well as evangelicals. Like what's the, what's the conversation around this that you think, does it apply in our church or, yeah, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. I, well, I think um, I'm very thankful for a, a, a strong um, theology of the Trinity in in our mm. cultures and our, our background, but mm. um, yeah, I think sometimes it's uh, he has a, a great little phrase. I can't remember which book which page it's on, but he has some. He wants us to encourage us to see Jesus and think Trinity. That's mm. uh, just a little catchphrase that caught my attention. Where where you think, um, where say evangelicals who are a bit maybe not a bit maybe a bit lazy when, when we do this, we might see Jesus and think, yeah, Jesus. We're on about Jesus. Uh, and it kind of it stops there, whereas he's saying, see Jesus, think Trinity. He say, see Jesus, think, wow, there you are seeing the Son of the Father incarnate um, who is endowed with the Spirit, who obeys and loves his Father and um, speaks by the Spirit, sends the Spirit. And, um, yeah, you're not taking anything away from Jesus. You're adding stuff. You're enriching. Um, mm. and, and wherever you're going with that, um, with church, with missions, um, with... Uh, uh, worship, um, yeah. So see Jesus think Trinity as uh, mm -hmm. as well. So I, I took that on board as a challenge, yeah. And it's, and it's already shaping some of my thinking and teaching and um, yeah, prayer life and stuff. So yeah, I think that's what that he's sounds doing. great. I, yeah, that is helpful because it, it just is what the book is doing is helping you to think. Oh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. When I see Jesus, I'm thinking about Him within His within who He is as one of one person of the Godhead. So, yeah, yeah. That's great. I'll share one more thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I underlined this one on page 158. Um, he, he's teaching about the, the, the sonship of God and how, how great that is and God sent his son. Um, and he says, um, when we're, our 
talking about Jesus, he says, while our temptation is to rush past his sonship to get to his deity, the Bible does the opposite, often rushing past his deity to dwell on his sonship. Mm. <laughs> that got me really thinking because I, I feel like I've done that. I've gone, oh, yeah, Jesus, this shows he's God. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Whereas the Bible saying, um, yeah, let's think wow. of it. He's the son. Yes, he's, he's divine. Yeah, but what does it mean for Jesus to be the son? And I, yeah. <laughs> I thought, oh, okay. I think I could think about that for a while. So <laughs> it scored That's an underline, underline in my holiday reading. Oh, yeah. it was an underline. Okay, here's a question. Underline in pen or pencil? Uh, pencil. Oh, yeah, me too. But I don't know why. I mean. I love a good mm, pencil underline. Yeah, I feel like yeah. committing to, I'm committing to too much if I do it in pen. That's right. That, yeah. I think that's the same way. And it's a, it's a better, the pen sometimes, sometimes comes out too overwhelms the text. Yeah, yeah. Whereas a pencil just sits about the right level behind. But I'm glad we're on the same page here, uh, Richard. We've opened up a, a <laughs> fruitful conversation um, <laughs> on marking books. But, marking uh, books. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to talk about that another time. Another time. Anyway, well, um, I guess when we were, before we were recording this, we, we were talking, Richard, about how we would love this kind of conversation to happen and flourish throughout um, church and Christians we know who are listening. So, I guess we would both love for you to, to encourage you to have conversations about what you're reading in God's Word, about God and what you've been thinking about Him, but also, um, yeah, why not chat about something you're reading or learning from, a podcast or whatnot. We love it and um, we know you love listening and so why not share that with others as well. well Do you agree, said, mate? Joe, well said, 100% yeah. agree. Yeah, nice. Cool. We're on the same page again. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we should go. <laughs> yes. Thanks for chat, great. It's been great. See you next time. Sounds good. Bye. Bye.